0: When a plumber descends into the basement to work on a house, he has no idea he's about to have a ghostly encounter nearly 2,000 years in the making. And then we visit Grandma's house, grab a plate of cookies, get a cold glass of milk, and sit back, relax, and look at the painting. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys have lots of fun plans for the weekend. I hope you guys stay warm. I pre recorded all the episodes this week so I could turn on my heaters. So if aliens invade or ghosts attack the president or something crazy and I don't respond immediately, that's why. Although I will have to say, if either of those do happen, I will make an extra episode. I will slot it in this week. But someone who never has to do extra work because they're always on top of things, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command right now, everyone get on your feet and give it up for Minimum Zucchini. Woohoo, yeah, wee! (laughs) He's all rolling on in. Big ol' Zucchini rolling on in to Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Minimum Zucchini, 732. You're going to be our captain or pilot this episode. Zucchini posted their Spotify wrapped on their social media. That's a way to get the word out. I tell people, if you can't join the Patreon, you get ad free episodes with the Patreon. But if you can't join the Patreon, you can't do the YouTube memberships. If you can't donate money, it's totally fine. It really, really is. It's helpful if you do, don't get me wrong, but it's fine if you don't. I always want to hit that home. Just spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know, Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. We got a lot of stuff to cover today, so let's go ahead and get started. First off, Minimum Zucchini, I'm going to toss you a bolt. I'm handing you this giant crossbow bolt, and you're like, huh? Load it up, Zuck. Everyone climb on board the Bunny Ballista. You're like, wait, what? What is that? You know those big giant crossbow things they used in that video game Age of Empire and supposedly existed in the real world? Minimum zucchini, load up the bunny ballista, and we're all climbing on board. <laughs> you're like, having to look it up. You're like, I'm pretty sure he's not pronouncing it correctly. You're like, Age of Empires, uh, ballista. This is a giant crossbow with wheels. Hop on board the bunny ballista. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Push us all the way out to England. <laughs> I didn't think I had to come up with a sound effect for this. I didn't even think of that. Here's the sound effect. Pshh! That's the bolt. Being fired off we will never use this one again. It's quite situational. Taking the Bunny Ballista all the way out to England. The year is 72 AD. We're in England, specifically we're in York, England. It wasn't called that back then. It was just called like Barbarian Hill. We see these Roman soldiers walking by like duck, duck. We're hiding behind the... Hill. Barbarian Hill. They don't see us. They're going to go maintain order in this pagan, barbarian-infested part of the world. And then we are just, like, sit there for a couple weeks, right? You brought a couple weeks of food before you listen to this podcast, right? You brought a bunch of MREs. We're sitting there for a while. A couple weeks pass. we see them marching back. Uh uh. Ugh. Uh, we're like, oh, you know, and they look like they're really tired. They look kind of downtrodden. They must have had some crazy battle, some crazy battle down the road. It was amazing. It was more intense than Lord of the Rings. Sorry, we weren't there to watch that. We just were sitting on this hill. We see him trudge back to their outpost. And that's when this story starts in 72 AD, because that's when Romans did invade this part of England. and They set up a command center. They controlled this area for quite a while until about 500 AD, where they abandoned it. They're like, we're done. And the reason why was because the Anglo-Saxons kept raiding this particular outpost. They're like, oi, oi, oi. They're all running up with their clubs and stuff. The Romans are like, ah, there's too many of them. Every time I stab one of them, two more appear. Oi, oi, oi. Hitting the the Romans with their clubs. And Romans are like, we're out of here. There's just too many Anglo-Saxons. So the Romans retreated, and there's a brief dollar store history lesson for you. Now we're going to flash forward to February 1953. February 1953, we're in York, England. We're about to meet this young man. He's an 18-year-old dude named Harry Martindale. And he's an apprentice plumber. So he's like, oh, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to... Play with these pipes a bit. I'll take my wrench and go squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. And then the water will flow from the toilet. It's all flown right into his mouth. He's like, oh, this is why I'm a princess. Also, I have a horrible poop fetish. His boss is like, Harry, move out of the way. Why, why are you swallowing that? He's like, anyways. Just to be clear, I'm pretty sure this guy is still alive. He does not have a crippling... Feces fetish, just so we're clear. He's an apprentice plumber and he gets tasked with the job of going down into the treasurer's house. That's the name of this building. Anyways, uh, this place is called the treasurer's house in York, England. He's down in the basement of the treasurer's house or the cellar. I don't know if there's a difference between the two. Maybe it's like they call it that in Britain. Harry's down in the cellar and he's like, Oi, I need to do some work. Hmm, he's looking around. He goes, what I need to do is I need to punch a hole in that ceiling above me. Some may call it the floor if they were up there, but I will call it the ceiling. And I'm going to poke a hole through it because I need to get to some pipes. <laughs> he needs to set up his pole. It's right into the bathroom. He's like, ooh la la. <laughs> Anyways, he goes, I need to punch a hole in the ceiling of this cellar. So he grabs his ladder and he sets it up. And he's trying to knock this hole in the ceiling of the cellar. This cellar's like an old-timey cellar. It's not like it's a bunch of cement throwing down. It's not like it's hardwood floor. Apparently, it's like dirt cellar. And there's like bumps and grooves in it. So there's like a dip at one point. There's a little hill at some point. It's I don't think anyone's living there at this point. Even if they were, I don't think... They're spending much time in the cellar because it's unfinished. It's been around for a long time, not 72 AD, but this building is old. He's up on this ladder and he's trying to punch a hole in the ceiling. All of a sudden, he hears a. This. What he says is a musical note. He described it as a musical note. He goes, If I had to, like, guess what instrument caused it, he goes, I think it was like a trumpet, but it wasn't like. <sounding sounds> some jazz garbage. It was actually just like an old-timey trumpet. I don't even think it would have the little finger things. It was just like a... type of noise. Either way, right? If you all of a sudden started hearing jazz in the basement, you're like, oh, this is ear grating. Or just like a weird trumpet noise. It, it, it caught him off guard. There, He was the only person in the basement. There was no trumpets as far as he knew. He hears this blare, and then he hears it again. He's hearing it a couple times, and he's like, where the hell is that coming from? When all of a sudden, he sees, phasing through the cellar wall, like walking through it as if it didn't even exist, he sees a Roman soldier. He sees this Roman soldier just walk through the wall. He's in the cellar on a ladder on uneven ground. That's bad enough. But then to see... To see a ghost, right? Any type of ghost would be terrifying. He looks down and he sees this Roman soldier face through the wall. And begin walking through the cellar. But... Harry had to do a bunch of research about this because nobody believed him. So some of the stuff he knew at the time, some of the stuff he did his research. But this particular thing, he knew something was off right away. Because the soldier was sunk down about 18 inches into the ground. So what is that, like a foot and a half? You couldn't see the soldier below the knees. It's like he not only walked through the wall, but he's walking through the cellar floor. Harry, on the ladder, he's standing on the ladder, he said that the Roman soldier, his helmeted head came up to about Harry's waist. He couldn't see anything below the knee with this guy. But this soldier is walking through. Now, what he'll discover later is... In this area where this treasure or house would eventually end up, there was an old Roman road. But over time, a mud flood, right? That's a big conspiracy theory mud flood. Put that episode in the show notes. But over time, as the city grew, literally and figuratively, you gained about 18 inches of soil. So the house, the cellar of the house was 18 inches above where that old Roman road was. So the soldier is walking on the road, but he's only seeing it from the knees up. But as the soldier is walking, remember the cellar is uneven. So when it gets to that big dip in the cellar, now Harry could see... The full figure. He could see below the knees. This soldier was wearing sandals that strapped all the way up to the knee. Old-timey Roman clothing, armor, the helmet. It was holding a round shield as it walked. And it was continuing on that straight path. He couldn't see it until the ground dipped down to where the road used to be. And now he could see the full soldier the soldier walked the whole length of the cellar and then disappeared into the opposing wall and was gone. Harry saw this soldier walk by, partially visible, hits the dip, becomes fully visible, and then once it hits the wall, it's completely gone. Harry, he doesn't know what to think of this. It's it's terrifying, but puzzling at the same time. What in the world just happened? Did I just see a ghost? What an odd ghost to see. And as he's processing that, another Roman soldier appears through the wall. This time, it's on horseback. But still, you cannot see the full length of the horse's legs. It was walking along that old. Roman rode until it hit the dip. Then he could see the horse's legs. Where the ground concaved in, he could now see it. And then the horse and the soldier on back of it disappeared into the opposing wall. Harry is having a really hard time processing all of this right now. It would be hard enough to deal with the ghost at work But he's seeing ghosts that are, listen, man, you're in England, you figure you're going to see like some Victorian babe floating around with like the corset being like, save me, save me, something like that, holding a little candlestick in the back room. "Uh, What happened to my husband? That type of stuff. He's not in Rome, right? He's not in Rome. He's looking at this. He's like, huh? I think that maybe Rome was in England at some point. I'm sure they taught that history in England. But it's neither here nor there. Why are they here? Why am I seeing these ghosts now? What's going on? And as he's processing that, he sees two more Roman soldiers face through the wall. Then two more. Two more. Two more. And they're walking two by two through the cellar. Harry said I saw between 12 and 20 of them walking in pairs. He goes, I know that's kind of a I know that's kind of a wide gulf, but I did go into shock. He goes, I went into shock. It was hard enough seeing the one ghost. It was even weirder to see the ghost on the horse. But now that he's basically seeing a ghost army, that's what he's watching. He's watching two by two they walk through in military marching line. Sure, there's a word for it. Walking through his workspace. Same thing, too. Can't be seen below the knee. Hit the concave. Now he can see full of them. They disappear through the opposing wall. He said these ghosts were not transparent. I could not see through them at all. Had he not seen them phase through the wall and clip into the earth, they totally would have been mistaken for real people. He goes, they were. Fully realized, fully detailed. There was no mistake. You would be, you would think it was a guy in a costume. They were not transparent. They did not look like how you would think a ghost would look. He did say, and this was interesting because I don't know if this takes the eighteen inches into account. He estimated they were around five feet tall, and that's not including the eighteen inches that were lopped off. I don't know what the normal height was back then. I do know that they say like people wore shorter. Even if an average person today went on the Mayflower, they'd have to duck their head constantly because the boat was made for smaller people. It could also be that the people who made the Mayflower were trying to save on material. and They didn't make it for comfort. They made it for cost and efficiency. But he did say they were all about five feet tall. He said they looked very scruffy. They were dirty, not just from walking through the cellar floor, but he goes, they just look dirty. And here's the thing. He reported this sighting and people did not believe it for a couple of the things that he described them as. But we'll get to that in a second. Let me include this last detail here. He said, while he was watching this, he goes, there wasn't any sound. You couldn't hear the clip-clopping of the horse hooves. You didn't hear the sound of sandals hitting this old Roman road. He goes, the only thing you could hear was a murmuring. He said, not talking. You just heard a murmuring. And it terrified him. They don't say if he finished his shift and he's like, oh. Oh, well, time to start knocking this hole in this uh, cellar ceiling. He did go into shock. But he didn't tell this story to anyone for 20 years. But he does eventually start telling this story in the 1970s. And people don't believe him. People don't believe him for a bunch of reasons. They said Roman soldiers didn't carry round shields. Roman soldiers did not have their sandals laced up to their knee. And the fact that they were so scruffy, they go, that's completely out of character as well. I mean, these were professional soldiers. This was the soldier class of Rome. So you wouldn't be all grizzled. You wouldn't look like Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. Even though these guys were The Walking Dead, you wouldn't look like it. So when he told this story, because this is one of those stories that would have a historical connection, People are like that. Just those details don't make sense. So, listen, those are mistakes that I might make because I know very little about Roman history. I could easily fake something like this, and I would probably get historical details wrong. So when Harry started telling the story, people were like, "Well, we do know that Romans were in the area, but none of these details match up." Is this guy watching too many like Ben Hur movies? And it's interesting because York. England does claim to be the ghost capital of the world. There are a lot of hauntings in this area, but this particular one, there was pushback from historians, and they are like, that's not how Roman soldiers, uh, that's not how they equipped themselves, and that's not how they would keep up their appearance. Well, what's interesting is later on, after he had told this story, they were doing an archaeological excavation at Hadrian's Wall which dates back to the time of the Roman invasion of England. When they were digging this stuff up, they found that the auxiliary troops, not the main fighting force, but the auxiliary troops, were carrying round shields. And they also found proof that these auxiliary troops also laced their sandals up to their knees. So while a standard Roman soldier would not use that type of equipment, they did find proof that that equipment was used by their auxiliary troops. And Harry did more research on this as well. Because he wanted to figure out what was going on. This was after he told the story and he was getting this pushback. He found out about the road. That's why they were walking and they weren't completely visible. They were walking on a road that was lower than the ground was at that point. He said what he had found out that, because these Roman soldiers were so far away from home, and their dudes, right? They got needs. He said that they would start dating and even sometimes marrying local women. But it was extremely dangerous to travel from your fort to a nearby village to bang your chick. They were constantly getting speared in the neck. They were constantly getting bludgeoned by these British barbarians. So what they would do is they would move as a group. It was was the first group date. You would move as a unit. That was the only way to protect yourself, because if you just travel, hey, I'm going to go see Dolores this weekend, they're like, uh, ah, you might want to bring like 12 to 20 guys with you before you go out there. He found out that they moved as a unit, and they would be at that village, wherever they were at, for two weeks or more. And then when their leave was over, they would have to march back to their... Outpost, which was where York, England would eventually be. And on their journey back, they would not be shaven. Because they were out in this village for two or more weeks. They are on leave. They're out there. They're coming back. They're just, one, they're, it sucks that they got to leave their girls. Two, they probably had to kill a couple of people trying to attack them along the way. And three, they gotta go back to work. So they're a little like, oh man. So that's why they were dirty and unshaven and just kind of like moving around, not like being all happy about being a Roman soldier. That's why they were dirty and unkempt because they were coming back from leave. If this ghost story is true, this is the oldest Ghost sighting on record. Even if you push, if it, you know, the Romans moved up there at 79 AD. Even if you pushed it up to around 500 when they left, it's somewhere in that big window. That's still a 1400 year old ghost or ghosts. We have all of these spirits marching in procession through this area. And in this area, there are other sightings of ghostly soldiers walking down the street, like on the side of the road. And that was alarming to people. People still see that one today in York's, in in this house, in Treasure House. What's interesting is that it appears that... People have not seen the ghosts, but they hear the ghosts. There's been sightings of a Roman legion walking out by a a main highway. But in this basement, they will hear the sounds of mumbling and the sounds of horse hooves. Which is interesting because he did not hear the horse, but he heard the murmuring. However, I could not find any other sightings of these ghosts in this basement, but people still report hearing them. However, there are sites of other ghost soldiers in this area, in this surrounding area. So this still, even if you put this at 500 AD, this is ghostly activity that dates back 1400 years There's nothing else that even comes close. There's ghost stories that predate that, obviously. There's ghost stories that predate Christianity. There's ghost stories that go way, way back to like Babylon. But those ghosts aren't around, as far as we can tell. This is the oldest ghost sighting on record. What's interesting is that it is a more basic type of ghost account. It's basically a recording. It's not that you couldn't stop those ghosts and communicate with them. You couldn't use a Ouija board and communicate with them. It's technically an event playing out. Same way you can't talk back to a VHS cassette playing in a VCR. You can watch it, but you can't interact with it. The ghost that's hiding underneath your bed, that's like a video game. You can interact with it. But still, even though that this may just be one of those recorder hauntings, still the the oldest one on record. Absolutely fascinating, and I love it that he... First off, I love that he told the story, because he could have easily never told anybody, because it was just too embarrassing and too weird. And once he did tell it, he did get pushback. People go, that's not true. That's not true. So it took time for history and archaeology to catch up to what he had seen, which showed that those details were right. That's just absolutely bizarre, and I love stuff like that. So he told the story, and this is, as far as we know, the oldest ghost sighting ever, and still active. People can still hear the noises. People can see other Roman soldiers in this area, which would still date back to that same time period bizarre it's absolutely bizarre why are we seeing roman ghosts and not ghosts of the anglo-saxons in the area who knows why have these ghosts hung around for so long when most ghost stories like you know you can go to this castle in scotland that was built 200 years ago and you can see this ghost of this woman as she's flown around she fell off the balcony now she's flown around the daycare that's generally like the limit that's always been about maybe 200 250 years around there america has a lot of revolutionary war ghosts but they don't have a lot of ghosts of like pilgrims but here we have the oldest one and i'll say this it's it's on one side on a researcher side that's totally awesome on the other side it's really kind of terrifying to think that you could become a ghost and live for 1300 years afterwards fascinating stuff as a paranormal researcher this is the kind of stuff that you want to see and i've talked about it. it's so funny i've mentioned this story a lot on the podcast and i've never actually covered it so i wanted to cover it for you i say that this is a recorded haunting that's most likely what it is i don't know if people have tried communicating with them or any of the other roman soldiers in the area because a lot of times, like, you're driving down the road and you see you see a soldier, see Roman soldiers walking down the street. Most people don't have a Ouija board in their glove compartment. I wonder if people have tried communicating with these. But again, York is considered, or they say, that they're the ghost capital of the world. So hopefully somebody has tried. I don't know if these are actually the souls of dead soldiers doomed to march on for eternity. It could just be a recording playing out over and over again, but still. Um... Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. It outdates 99% of all ghosts by a thousand years minimum. Why is this one so resolute in staying behind? Who knows? Interesting stuff, though. Minimum Zucchini 732. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. Everyone hop on board. We're leaving behind York, England. Fly us all the way out to Grandma's house. Grandma's house. Yay. We're all running in and Grandma's standing there giving us all a big hug. Her arms are all reaching around everyone. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. Oh, you look so good. We're all getting kisses on the forehead. (laughs) The grandma with a million mouths. Kissing us. Who doesn't love grandmas? I know some people have bad grandmas, and that sucks. Because grandmas are supposed to be, like, top-tier parents, right? Like, my parents were awesome, don't get me wrong. But nothing beats a good grandma. And that's where this story takes place, at grandma's house. We don't know exactly where it was. We don't even really have a time period. I kind of placed the story around pre-2001. But, you know, not like 79 AD. That technically is pre-2001. Fairly recent, but definitely pre-2001 based on a couple clues. We're about to meet this young man. Let's go ahead and call him Marcus. And I say young man. Actually, when this story took place, he was a young boy. Grandma, grandma. Running up into grandma's arms. Oh, Marcus, you're getting to be such a big boy. Look at you. I can't wait to feed you some pancakes. Oh, grandma, you're the best. Marcus says. He visits his grandma often. He gets to hang out with grandma. Grandma gets to hang out with him. What a what a win. Win-win, right? And he goes in my grandma's living room. She had a painting. She actually had a lot of old antique stuff. Marcus explains his grandma is a bit of a hoarder. But not like a, I need all the toilet paper in the world... Ooh, USB cable. Let me put that in this box of USB cables. not that type of hoarder. Antiques. She hoarded antique things. Paintings and knickknacks. Probably like old rusty farm equipment like a lot of old people used to do. I don't know if they still do that. But she had all this stuff. So much so that she actually had storage units where she would eventually have to move some of these antique items to make room for the new things she got. But in her living room, there was a painting, and this painting in particular depicted two women and a piano. Both women were wearing yellow dresses, and one of the women was playing the piano, fingers poised above the ivory keys, getting ready to practice her piano playing marcus didn't specifically say if the other woman was standing next to the piano or sitting on the bench with her i'm not sure i wanted to include that detail in case somebody does find this painting it goes what she's not sitting as well and chucks it if you find if you happen to find a painting Two women in yellow dresses, and one's, and they're either both sitting down or one standing up. Save it. Save it, probably lock it up, though. For the clarity of this narrative, we'll say they're both sitting down, though. So there's a painting of a woman in a yellow dress, her hands resting on the keys of the keyboard, and then sitting next to her is another woman in a yellow dress, as if it is her instructor. It is a piano teacher or tutor or however you would describe that. Marcus said, you know, over the years I had spent many nights spending the night at my grandma's house. And often when he was in the living room late at night, I don't know if he was crashing on the couch or just up late playing Nintendo. But he goes, many nights I spent at my grandma's house and in the living room was this painting. And late at night, it moved. Not the frame itself. The people in the picture began to move. He said he would watch the woman play the piano while tapping her foot to the rhythm while the instructor would sit there and listen, nodding her head in approval. However, sometimes the instructor would shake her head, as if her young pupil had made a mistake. The instructor would shake her head and then tap on the sheet music, To show where the mistake was made. Marcus said there was no sound. You didn't hear the tapping foot. You didn't hear the piano playing. But you could watch this play out. However. Marcus was so young. When he was experiencing this, he figured some paintings must move. This is not unusual. Every so often, you may have a painting that moves. He did not clock this as being weird at all. Until, this is why I say pre-2001, a few years later, he was watching a Harry Potter movie. I've never seen Harry Potter. I've never read the book, so I don't know which one this takes place in. I'm assuming the first one. I was watching a Harry Potter movie, and in the movie, Harry Potter sees paintings move. And he's astonished. He cannot believe what he's seeing. Harry Potter's like, what? Pictures moving? Ah! He's all losing his mind. Ah! And Marcus watched that scene, and he goes, Huh? Why is he surprised by that? That's normal. Some pictures move. Why is that shocking him? And that was his first clue that what he had seen years earlier was not normal. He's watching a movie about magic and witchcraft and wizards and all that stuff. And they're amazed at moving pictures. He goes, huh? He said decades later, which is basically two, right? We're now in 2021, 2023, in this era. It dawns on him that he has not seen that painting at his grandma's house for a while. This was something he experienced as a kid. And then he makes no mention of it. Even post seeing the Harry Potter movie. No mention of it until recently. He realizes. Hey wait a second. That moving painting. Those shouldn't exist. I saw it as a kid. I thought it was normal. I saw Harry Potter. That was his first clue. That wasn't like a wake up call for him. And he rushed back to his grandma's house. He goes "Huh? what? That's not normal? He said time passed and he realized that when he visited his grandma he hadn't seen that painting in a while. He's an adult now. He ends up visiting his grandma and he mentions it. He goes, hey grandma, whatever happened to that painting you had of the two women at the piano? And the grandma goes, oh, I took that down actually. I wrapped it up in some cloth. Locked it away in a closet. I took it down a while ago. And he goes, oh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have it up anymore. And Marcus kind of chuckled. And he goes, you know, you know what's funny. I know it's going to sound weird. But when I was a kid, I used to see that painting move. Kind of, Kind of laughed. At that point, his grandma changed her tone. She became very serious. She didn't want to joke about it. There's nothing funny about it. She says to Marcus, quote, My dear, why do you think I don't put it up anymore? Thanks for telling me you saw it too. I thought I was crazy all these years. Marcus says he's tried retrieving the painting. He now knows that there is something wrong. With it, would be the best way to describe it. He goes, I tried looking for the painting. It wasn't in my grandma's house. She couldn't find it either. He said, because she's a hoarder, it's possible that she moved it to one of her storage units. And she has a couple of them. He goes, if I have some time, and I I personally would make time to do this, But he goes, I'm looking to get some time. I'll start checking the storage units to see if I can find it. He goes, there's also the chance that it ended up in the garbage. That's possible, too. I have a third option. I think she may know where it is. And also, he goes, she's getting older, so her memory's not 100% anymore. But whose is nowadays? I think it's possible that she knows where it's at and she doesn't want him to get it. Because it's just, even though now she has another witness, she knows she's not crazy, there is that thing where you're seeing this painting move, you know it's not possible, you think you're crazy, you finally hide it, wrap it up, put it away. And then all of a sudden your grandkid takes it and is like, let's stay up late night, grandma, let's stay up and watch and see if it moves again. You don't see, there's a difference between us who are paranormal researchers, fans of the paranormal, who love hearing these stories, who will go out of our way to experience things. Most people will not. It is deeply unsettling to be confronted with something that is not real. So for him to get this painting out and for them to stay up and look at it to see if it'll move, if it does move, you know something is wrong with the universe. You understand that everything you have been taught about reality is not true. And you don't want to be confronted with that. Even though they have both seen it move, you can rationalize it a hundred different ways. But when you are sitting there watching it, waiting for it to move with another observer, and it starts to move, what does that tell you about everything you know? It's very, very uncomfortable. It would make you very, very uncomfortable. Not me, not you, but I'm talking about someone who wrapped it up in cloth and put it away. It's too much. It is too much. You would now be confronted with reality even though you may believe in ghosts, even though you may believe in Bigfoot or aliens. Those are established things. People have believed in ghosts since the dawn of civilization and probably before that. This is something out of a Harry Potter movie. it wouldn't make sense. It it would break you. And I think that it sounds goofy to put it that way because obviously it didn't break either of them, but the kid was too young to really realize what was going on and the grandma had to hide the painting. Not only did she move the painting to the closet, she wrapped it in cloth, which might've been to protect it, but it also might've been to protect her. Because she knew something was wrong with this painting. So I think she may know where it's at. Or at least have a clue of where it's at. But she doesn't want her grandson to pull it out. And she doesn't want to be faced with that knowledge that yes, yes, the painting does move. As time passes on, you can start to think, oh, maybe I was tired that night. Or maybe I had a little too much to drink. Or... Marcus's case, maybe I was too young, wild imagination. You can rationalize it. But as you're sitting there next to someone and you both are waiting for it to move and you watch it move, now there's zero doubt. I do want to say, too, uh, this story is posted online by someone going by the name Ledin42. They did post two other paranormal. They said when they were younger, they heard their mother's voice, something mimicked their mother's voice in college. He went to a frat house. He was a member of a fraternity. He was a member of a fraternity. Rumor was the frat house was haunted. He says, one day I saw uh, a man, I thought it was another student, walk through a closed door. That's about it. Those are pretty standard ghost sightings. And then you have something like this. And I don't even think Marcus understands just how rare something like this is, even in the world of the paranormal. And that's a, that is definitely, I mean, I would want to see the painting as a paranormal researcher, but it might be something that once you see it, it would be hard to rationalize. You would have to wonder, is something up with this painting? Like, is it because of who painted it? Is it because of what the subject matter is? Is it because of the paints that were used? You would try to figure out why this particular painting moves But then you also kind of have to deal with the realization is what if Marcus, in a way, is correct? What if some pictures move, but we don't notice it? That painting you have up on your wall of that old man praying over a loaf of bread, what if he knows he's a painting? What if he watches you? you're completely unaware of it. What would it say about that calendar of beautiful landscapes you have? And the month of March shows a snowy forest. And there's a rabbit. Frozen in time. Sticking his head out from behind a tree. It's a beautiful photo. But sometimes that rabbit moves. Is the rabbit sentient? Is it trapped in some sort of bizarre reality? A moment frozen in time forever? And you just never notice it. You're never up late staring at your calendar hanging off of your wall. And then what does that say when... December 31st hits and it's time to get a new calendar and you take that one down and you throw it in the recycle bin. What happens to that rabbit? I'm not saying that every single calendar of that run, that rabbit moves, but your particular calendar might. Could you get rid of it? You're unknowingly getting rid of it and you're thrown in the recycle bin and you're destroying What's possibly a sentient creature trapped in this photo? It's just getting shredded up and pulped and turning into a Mountain Dew label. Or is this truly a one-off painting? A painting of two women who not only are playing out a scene, but... It appears the scene can change. Sometimes the woman makes a mistake and sometimes she doesn't. So it is not a repeatable event. It's repeatable in the fact that it will keep moving. Only late at night, which again is a weird thing. But also the fact that... Sometimes she makes a mistake and sometimes she doesn't. What is going on in the universe of that painting? These are all questions you do not have to answer if there is a ghost in your house or an alien tapping outside your window. None of that stuff comes into play. Both of those can be terrifying events. Both of those can be mind-blowing in different ways. Proof of life after death. Proof that we are not alone in the universe. But this is so far removed from either of those, or really anything else that we cover. It's so mundane as well. You could go, it's just the moving painting. Doesn't involve a galactic empire. It doesn't involve proof that consciousness survives the mortal body. But it shouldn't exist even in the world of the weird a painting that not just moves i've come across stories of paintings before where there's a boat trapped in a storm which would be terrifying right that that it, this isn't a one-off story i have come across stories like that before and i guess i never really rationalized i figured it was just the boat in the storm it's just replaying out what's in that picture i never really thought about the people on the boat In the storm, what were they going through? A moment captured in time. That actually, now that I think about it, again, like I read that and I go, well, that's weird. I think that was actually pre-show. I don't think I came across that while I was working on the show. But, all the people in that boat trapped in that moment in time forever. If you destroy the painting, what happens to the people? If this painting got destroyed, what would happen to the two women? Bizarre questions we do not have to ask, even when we cover the paranormal as mind-bending as it can be. We come across stories that flip the game board and make us re-evaluate everything. So if you happen to be checking out an estate sale this weekend, or any weekend... And you come across an old painting of two women in yellow dresses, seated in front of a piano. Think twice before you buy that and take it home. You may just think it looks good. You may know nothing of its paranormal possibility. Or you may go, this is a find. This is that one-in-a-kind painting. And I'm buying it because I know what it's capable of. But the big question is, do you? Do you truly know what is powering this phenomenon? A moving painting might seem like the find of a century. Proof of the paranormal framed in your own living room. But could you truly sleep soundly at night? Knowing that something that breaks all the rules of reality is in your home. Because we don't know what it is. We don't know what it's capable of. How long could you let that hang on your wall before you also wrapped it in cloth? And hid it somewhere in your house? And even then, you knew, in the darkness, those two women were still sitting at the piano, playing music, correcting mistakes. If you saw this painting move, could you ever trust your eyes again? If you saw this painting move, could you ever trust reality again? How long would it be before you wrapped it in cloth? And hid it away, hoping to hide proof that the world is not what you think. Hoping to forget the memory of truly seeing all laws, all facts, shattered right before your eyes. But the memory will never leave you. Even though that painting hides in the darkness, you would know. Those women are still sitting at the piano, practicing a song no one will ever hear. Radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Stay safe and stay warm.